Hi, I'm Heather Bruschetti at the Business Council of New York State. I'm the president and CEO, and now I am the host of this podcast called Connect, the Business Council podcast. The Connect podcast aims to bring you the most interesting interviews with business leaders and newsmakers from around the state. And now here's the host of Connect, Heather Bruschetti. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Connect podcast. I'm your host, Heather Bruschetti. Uh, this episode, we are talking to the chancellor of the SUNY system, Christina Johnson, who is a brilliant woman, uh, has a background in energy, um, served in the U.S. Department of Energy, um, and uh, absolutely incredible education. I couldn't go, it would take forever for me to read the bio, but I'm really happy to have you here on the phone with me, and um, uh, thank you very much for being here. I am a proud SUNY graduate, so to me, it's very exciting to have the opportunity to speak to the Chancellor. Fantastic. Really pleased to be here and so happy that you are also an SUNY alum. Yeah, my whole family, actually. Uh, several of my siblings are all SUNY alum, and they're all much more successful than I am. So, um. <laughs> Well, it's Binghamton, right? You're Binghamton. Yep. Uh, everybody went to Binghamton except for my younger sister who went uh, to, oh boy, uh, Morrisville. Um, she's a... She, oh, yeah. Yeah, she majored in animal husbandry. Um, but my brother Andy, who is a doctor, um, is dealing right now with the hot topic of the day, which is the coronavirus. Um, and I know, uh, you know, we held a, a, a webinar yesterday for our members, and the level of interest was unprecedented. Uh, I know this week it was announced SUNY and CUNY were calling on students who are studying abroad to come back. And I'm just wondering, like, how do you think this is going to, at first, how are, how are you dealing with it, and how do you think it's going to impact the academic year? So right now we are calling back our students that are studying abroad in the level two and level three countries. Um, so mainly focusing on Italy, Korea, um, China, Japan. Um, so that's in process right now. They'll be coming back over the next couple of days and we wanna make sure that we're handling all their needs, financial, academic, and otherwise to prepare them you know, for coming back. We'll continue to monitor closely working in consultation with the Department of Health and also the governor's office as we look at the broader question of study abroad at uh, countries that, are no, that aren't currently on the level two or level three list. You know, as you mentioned, it's a pretty fluid situation. We have almost hourly briefings, so this is something that we're highly focused on right now. Is it something that the students who were abroad who were coming back, is this going to impact their ability to graduate if they were, you know, um, in their last semester or, um, or will, I mean, will it, will it impact their academic progress, I guess, is the, the question. Right. So I had meetings this week with the um, acting chancellor of the state education department, Betty Rosa. It was a terrific meeting with her and her team, uh, me and my, uh, my team, to actually talk about flexibility with regard to how we define a credit hour, uh, et cetera. Also getting the flexibility to take the courses online and to complete some of the, the work uh, during a period. If students come back and they're exhibiting symptoms, then um, there will be um, quarantine. If they are not exhibiting symptoms, the governor said yesterday that they'll be isolated. So during this time, fortunately, we have very robust online programs. 
So we believe we'll be able to handle and, and monitor on a case-by-case -case basis how these we help the students that are coming back move through and to stay on time for graduation. We have about 270 students that will be coming back and we've been in touch with each and every one of them. So we're all hands on deck. We're going to make sure that this has as limited uh, impact on their academic uh, career and, and uh, as possible. Yeah, well, for better or worse, I'm, I'm sure uh, the SUNY system has a lot of um, experience in dealing with um, health issues on campus. I think they're being somewhat petri dishes, you know, but um, but it seems like, you know, there's in the past we've heard about um, uh, on, you know, on, on specific campuses, outbreaks of things like I think the measles or whatever. And you certainly have a lot of experience and skill in, in handling a health situation. But thank goodness for technology. I mean, can you imagine 10 years ago, 15 years ago, <laughs> uh, we wouldn't be able to keep, you know, keep going online, whether it's an employer. I mean, you see what's going on on the West Coast, I think, with, uh, I think Microsoft and Google are having people work from home. I could have those names yes. wrong. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, it's- No, it, you're right. It's, yeah, it's incredible the way that technology is allowing companies and, and universities to navigate this. Um, Absolutely. So shifting gears for a minute and, and let's let's talk a little bit about workforce development. I mean, we're hearing all the time that this is the number one issue for employers. Um, I know the governor just announced several million dollars to train uh, New Yorkers as part of a workforce development initiative. And I know SUNY supporting the training. Uh, can you can you describe the effort a little bit and, and let, let us know kind of where you think this is going? Oh, absolutely. Um, we are so supportive and so excited about this initiative. And it really comes from the place that if we look at the last decade since we started to emerge from the Great Recession. You know, there are 18.3 million net new jobs created and 18 million of those or 98 percent went to individuals with some college education. So that tells you that um, that it's you not only need a high school diploma, but you need further training to be competitive in the current, current uh, economic and uh, workforce environment. So the other thing we saw is that there were several million jobs that disappeared that could be filled by individuals with only a high school degree. So how do we get the, um, our graduates and our citizens ready for the future of work? So the governor's, uh, is, we're very pleased to be part of the governor's $175 million that have been allocated for workforce development initiative through the consolidated funding application. And to date, 12 million has been allocated in this truly historic workforce initiative. So the state's investing 3 million in job training programs, spearheaded with 70 New York State businesses and uh, nonprofits and community organizations. And that will impact about 3,600 New Yorkers in a really positive way. You know, in January, he announced 3.4 million in uh, initiatives that were awarded to another 61 New York businesses, community colleges, and uh, community-based organizations. And that helps train 2,500 uh, New Yorkers. In February, there was another tranche of funding so that we're seeing this consistent rollout of giving students uh, the opportunity to really excel in this very high-tech workplace. And we know that $3 million that were invested in SUNY's apprenticeship program are focused on advanced manufacturing, you know, healthcare, machine learning and artificial intelligence, cybersecurity and information technology. I mean, you mentioned, Heather, that 
What's exciting now is that our students can study online, workers can work from home, they can simulate what typically in the past they had to do in the laboratory. But it also comes with um, the ability to um, hack what they're doing, and so that creates another industry in cybersecurity. The extensiveness of the sensors that exist in the world, I mean, I don't think many people know this, but there are more devices connected to the World Wide Web than people alive today. And so that creates the opportunity to gather a tremendous amount of information. And what does that help us do? It helps us predict the future. It helps us predict the future for our students and what they need to know to live a productive and rewarding life. Yeah, that's a, that's a little bit of a scary thought. It makes me want to double down on cybersecurity and, and that, <laughs> you know, that sort of training. Um, but, you know, it's, I think 10 years ago, we could not have predicted where the focus was going to be, where the job skills that were going to be most valuable, um, what, they were, what they would look like. And I, I know um, with artificial intelligence and, and all that, that you are doing, you do have some insight into what the future of work looks like. And can you, can you elaborate on that a little bit? I mean, I, I think for, for someone who's getting out of high school right now, it'd be really helpful. And I, and I don't mean that I'm getting out of high school right now. That would be, that would, that would be really bad. <laughs> but, um, uh, but, but, you know, what, what advice would you give someone? What, what should they be looking at? Right. You know, I, um, I don't think it'd be scary if you were just getting out of high school, but <laughs> no. So thinking about the future of work. So one of the things that's really changed in the last, as you said, 10 years is just the ability of our computational power. So with Moore's law, computers every 18 months are doubling in their speed of the, to compute. And as I said before, there's about 11 billion devices connected to the internet. So with all this data, it's impossible for a human to do some of the you know, insane multitasking you'd have to do if you're trying to process all this data by yourself. So really where the future of work is going to be an augmented workforce. We, would have, we already have computers in every desk. And so it's going to be able to parse the work we need to do between those things that require judgment and the insight that a human can provide and the personal connection and with the computers that can crunch all the raw data and do more of the mundane remote tasks that humans don't want to do. And frankly, we're not very good at it. Let me give you an example. So there's a book written by a colleague of mine, probably the leading bot person in the country on machine learning or artificial intelligence. His name is Terry Sanofsky. He's at the Salk Institute. We've been colleagues for over 30 years. He told me that that, and this is work that I actually did in my lab as well, that when pathologists look at slides of, of suspicious cells that may or may not indicate cancer, they can do that with somewhere between 80 and 90% accuracy, let's say. A computer augmenting the judgment of the pathologist can take that to 98, 99%. Yeah, that just gives you an example. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I, it's just that 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 to me is amazing that that you could you know find that kind of accuracy by adding on the technology component. Um, I mean, you still need the person. I know a lot of people are afraid of artificial intelligence and automation, uh, but you still you still need the people there to interpret and and figure out what to do with the data, right? Absolutely. So I think that looking at the future of work. We'll be looking at augmenting the workplace with further automation and machine 
machine learning. We'll need a clean energy workforce. I mean, this is uh, one of the most exciting things about, in my view, the state of New York, our governor, our legislature, everybody's behind decarbonizing our, our energy uh, sector and electrifying our transportation sector so we can reduce our greenhouse gas emissions. That's a huge industry moving forward, and there'll be tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of jobs available in that area. We also are looking at ways that we can foster more emerging industries in our upstate communities. And this is where I think SUNY has a particular play, a role to play. And that is many of our campuses within SUNY, yes, some are downstate, many are upstate. So they are located in areas of our state that have experienced out migration. And yet we know that four years after graduation, about 75 to 80% of our SUNY graduates are still living in the state of New York. So what we're looking at, one of the pillars of my chancellorship is innovation and entrepreneurship of augmenting the typical coursework our students take with the ability to train these students to be entrepreneurs, to start their own businesses and continue to be the stewards of place in our upstate communities. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, so I mean, this is you're, you're touching on a topic that's very near and, and dear to my heart. Um, you know, as, as uh, the, the last census showed, and we've got a census coming up that I think it's going to, you know, sort of show a continuation of this trend. New York has lost uh, 1.4 million people since 2010, and the vast majority of that loss came from upstate communities. And yet we have all we have this incredible network for workforce development. So the question is sort of what's missing? What are what are these upstate communities missing and what's lacking that can attract people <clears throat> to either start businesses or to attract businesses to come into the state? And as you know, I mean, I, 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 I uh, we spent a lot of time talking about all the, the barriers to starting business in New York and trying to work on them. But I think there are some other things that, that we could be looking at where other cities have successfully increased their populations coming out of the recession. And what are those elements that we're missing? Um, and I'm not, I don't right. have the answer to that, but, but there's gotta be a way to, to capture that data. Uh, I agree, and I think that's a pretty exciting thing to do, not to come back to machine learning, but if you think about it, what you're suggesting, and you're right on, is we need to do a gap analysis around these communities. We have enough data nationally and in the state of New York to understand what these communities have, what do they need, and some of those elements are, are pretty straightforward. We know that the communities that have colleges where they can provide the intellectual and cultural uh, nurture, uh, uh, nurture that intellectual and cultural community helps. Access to healthcare helps. Access to the reason why the education is so important is my mentor, John Chambers, is CEO and chairman and CEO of Cisco for a number of years, uh, told me that companies are going to go to where the best educated workforce is located. So we have that in upstate. Now what we need to do is put in place uh, the opportunities for our students to stay and start those companies. So one thing I announced at my State of the University System Address, which I usually do uh, every January, is can we start programs where we can find, identify the top several hundred outstanding rising seniors who also want to learn about entre entrepreneurship and 
have them stay on and get a master's degree, locate in the area from what they've learned by also having a tract in that master's degree in entrepreneurship. Can we do the kinds of things um, at the PhD level where we could attract the best and brightest PhDs from around the world, if you will, our own New York State Rhodes Scholar, so that, for example, uh, Dr. Stanley Whittingham, who we all know won the Nobel Prize this year uh, in chemistry from Binghamton University, capture graduate students that want to study with Dr. Winningham and have them stay locally. Or Dr. Esther Takeuchi, who's also a world-leading expert in energy storage, which is one of the things we need in order to be successful at carrying out the Community Leadership and Climate Protection Act that was signed, you know, July 19th of this, of 2019. So these are the um, exciting opportunities that I believe SUNY, and working in partnership with the business community, uh, can attract communities. And the last thing I'll say is we saw that happen this year when the governor announced that the company Cree, Silicon Carbide Company, is going to build a silicon carbide fab in upstate New York in Utica. One of the reasons the CEO, Greg Lowe, mentioned it is because it will be on the site of SUNY Poly. Well, they'll have access to, you know, educated workforce. So, you know, I think those are a couple of things I think about when I think about how we can uh, reverse the migration train. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think having, um, you know, a real foothold in some of the emerging areas, technology areas, um, is something that will attract students from around the world. Um, we just need to get the word out that this is something that's happening in New York. Um, and, you know, in turning to also um, some of the upstate communities, we, in, we do have pockets in upstate New York of just generational poverty where students um, maybe graduate from high school, but don't end up fully engaged in the workforce. Um, and and I don't, do you see opportunities to get the, the sort of the students who are, who are not traditionally going to four-year college um, better engaged and try and fill some of the gaps in the workforce that exist right now? Absolutely, I think there's some things that you've been a strong proponent on, Heather, and leading. Um, the organization, the business council, and that is the PTEC. You know, so it's the early college high school um, where we can bring to the high schools to students that may not be thinking about going to a traditional four-year college, but can actually get a start on their education, applied learning experiences through PTEC. We have 37 PTEC schools in the state of New York, and they provide an opportunity to get the kind of training for students that uh, are looking to um, get out into the workforce sooner, but with the kind of skills that will allow them to be successful. So I think PTEC is one. I think the whole, one of the um, other pillars of my chancellorship is, is building partnerships. And we have been so fortunate with the state support uh, from the governor on these apprenticeship programs and these internship programs and the type of businesses that have stepped up. I mean, in 2019 alone, SUNY has 327 new employer partnerships and clinical placement programs. Why is that important? We think that this is so crucial that every single SUNY student get the opportunity to get better prepared for transitioning into their, the future of work and their future career. And we know that the results, if they get an internship, that right out of college, if it's in business, management, or public administration, they'll make $8,000 more a year right out of college. That's real if money. If it's in communicate, that's real money. And <laughs> it's even more, 
it's amazing. In the communication, visual, and performing arts, it's 16 grand a year. And in math, computer science, and information science majors, it's an amazing $23,000 more a year. So again, I think it's that important partnership and building that bridge between high school, college, and the workforce. So what, what do you tell a, a graduating senior who isn't sure what they want to major in? Uh, if, they're, if they're looking at schools, they're looking at what to, you know, what to study, um, what, what would your advice be to them? First of all, I would say, again, if the future of work is going to require and uh, having access to computing and computational tools, I would recommend every single high school student coming out learns how to program in uh, machine learning, Python, has the kind of skill set so that they can actually use these um, tools to, to uh, enhance the creativity in the workplace. A second is I'd look for entrepreneur, entrepreneurs. Every business really wants entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship. So here's my definition of entrepreneurs. It's knowing the right thing to do without being told. Right. <laughs> so I, I think that those are a couple of things I would say. And the third thing I would say is that you don't have to decide too soon. But know that, again, if 98% of the new net jobs created over the last decade required some post-high uh, school education or training, then take advantage of these internships. Take advantage of these apprenticeships that the, that the governor has established. Um, come to SUNY. Come to CUNY. Come, yeah. we'll, we will help you find your path. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, I actually have a, a graduating senior, so I'm going to communicate all this advice to him. Um, so, but, uh, but I really appreciate you taking the time, and um, uh, good luck in the future, and I'm sure, I'm sure we'll have you back. Thank you. Thanks very much for the opportunity. Again, thank you to SUNY Chancellor Christina Johnson, and uh, stay tuned for future podcasts.